was one of those suppers I didn't like. It's like rice and chicken, but uh, chicken uh, stir-fry kind of nonsense with like soft vegetables in there, you know, just, you know, yeah. maybe I don't like that stuff. Sounds terrible. Big homemade supper like that. Yeah. Try another story, right? <laughs> you don't know my hardships. I don't know why you're not in the garage. What? Why are you back in this office? I'm scared you're going to get the golf voice. Because my kid has an uh, ear infection, so if she cries, i got to go up and uh, soothe her. So if you see oh. me disappear, it's either for food or to take care of her. Yeah, that's right, Dean. If uh, Joe takes off, we just got to keep on rolling along. Uh, I might take off too, actually, because we're in the middle of a thunderstorm, so my kid might start screaming. But uh, I don't know. I sent the big kid to look after her, so should be all right. What's the weather doing out there, Dean? Uh, we had a bit of snow while I was in Portland, but it's dried up now, so looking good. Still cold though, eh? Oh yeah, yeah, never stops. Did you get to watch any of that uh, baseball game today? I don't think I've ever watched the baseball game. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was wearing my Jays hat just for you, man. For me. Yeah, you celebrate the Jays. <laughs> I thought you were a fan. I guess I am now. Even even Bill's a fan. Well, I'm watching it. I, I'm loving the presentation. The, the The angles for the camera is uh, for the TV presentation. It's just blowing me away every game I watch. That zoom in shot from the pitch, from the profile, from the pitcher going to the catcher where you can see the seams of the ball as it rotates through the air. I don't know how a camera person can catch that. No, but I thought we talked about that, how it's probably more automated now, right? Especially with that close of a, a detailed close-up. And just to follow, you know, a 90 to 100 mile per hour pitch, I can't see a human doing that. Is automatic focus like that quick, though, on such a small object? Uh, well, it's like you probably said, they set the focus for wherever the camera is out to the distance of the mound and then just left it there, right? <laughs> right. But still, the camera guy's got to, you know, pan at the right speed. Panning and keeping in focus. All I can say was it was another good game tonight by the Jays. Yeah, it was wild. I... I was watching Getty Lee in the in the crowd, of course, because I can't keep my eyes off him. But there's another dude beside him. Did you see the picture I put up on Twitter? If you're looking at Getty, the guy to his left? Yeah. Yeah, he keeps talking to him every now and then. No, no, he's not, he's like five seats down. He couldn't talk to him. It's oh. this wild-looking man, coolest man in Toronto right now. Hmm. So, Dean, what, do you, what, what have you been up to today? We've been through a, 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 a myriad of... Uh, messages back and forth trying to book you here what what is going on with you you're yeah, a busy I, man i am a busy man i'm sorry guys uh work just keeps me busy and 
just coming back uh, off of Portland here. It's it's just been a little crazy, so trying to find some time. But uh, yeah, I got a couple hours now, so it worked out. You were telling me tales of all the traveling you got to do back and forth. What, what the heck is it that you do for a living? <laughs> what do I do? I don't <laughs> think I've told anybody what I do, so it's a pretty good STC pod exclusive. Here we go. Um, I, well, I guess a cool version would be I'm a, I'm an IT business analyst. So what that means is I, I vet a lot of software and solutions for different areas of my company. And so the company I'm, I'm based out of here, um, is, uh, one of the largest tourism and travel, uh, companies in Canada, but I'm actually working for a, like an American corporation, like a billion dollar American corporation. So they own a lot of properties in the United States and, and in Canada, um, travel industries and hotels and attractions. So I work with all of them to see what sort of software makes their lives easier. Wow. But in reality, I just sit in front of a computer and listen to you guys break each other's balls. <laughs> so you got to travel around everywhere and make sure everyone's running their software properly. Yeah, so as part of that, um, for example, when you're trying to centralize a, a PMS, a PMS is, is like a property management system that hotels use. So if we want to make sure everybody is working off of the same software, we got, got to talk to them, make sure the solutions work for not only the front desk people, but maybe the housekeeping staff or the maintenance staff or the night audit or the revenue management people. So a lot of different faces to talk to all around uh, North America. So just travel there when I can and take the opportunity to get down there instead of uh, these crazy Google Hangouts that don't seem to work ever. <laughs> That's just us. <laughs> so what happens when you uh, travel to like Japan or whatever? Is that and that's still work related? Oh no 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 no. Uh, work takes me probably as far south as Montana. Oh, okay. As far north as maybe Alaska, uh, but it's really just based here in the Canadian Rockies. So when I'm when I'm overseas, that's just pleasure. Are you fluent in the language at all, or is it? In Japanese? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can get by pretty good. Um, I have a hard time reading because uh, there's three alphabets, right? You have the the kana is the hiragana, katakana, and then you have uh, kanji, which is kind of those Chinese symbols. And I have a hard time with those. Yeah. It's funny when I met up with uh, with Rambox, R- Richard there, I asked him if he spoke Japanese, and he said no. And then he went off and started talking crazy stuff to, to all sorts of people. So he's uh, he's much more fluent than I am. Wow. So um, are you writing the software that you're using? Are you creating it? No, 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 no. Just strictly business analysts. So I, I talk to the people. I, I kind of write the requirements, and then I work with different vendors to um, either buy their off-the-shelf product or uh, work with the developers to to build off existing off-the-shelf software. Wow. I can't uh, code past Hello World, so. Very exciting. Well, I was thinking it was more in the adult industry or something, this secret job you had. So. No, that's my that's my part time. <laughs> Do you have kids? I don't. No, no. I. Uh, we, this is a year where like everybody's pregnant. My wife works in an office with small office, maybe six, seven people. And three or four of them are pregnant right now. So it's kind of all I hear about, but no kids yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Live the dream while you still can. <laughs> That's right. You know, I live in uh, Banff here. I don't know. Do you guys know where Banff is? Well, I, on a map. I haven't been there. Okay. So it's like kind of a ski resort town, um, but it's, it's a national park, right? So there's all these restrictions on how much you can build and how, how much you can expand. So real estate here is, incredibly expensive so we were looking at buying a house and there's just there's no chance of that here there's two three million dollar homes that are six seven hundred square feet so 
No chance. Jeez. <laughs> so it might be coming to your area sometime soon. Maybe well, if you sold some of your video games. <laughs> yeah, that's what my wife says. <laughs> yeah, bringing a kid in. Goodbye, game room. <laughs> hey, you're always welcome here in Ontario. Yeah, my, my wife was actually born in uh, Mississauga. Uh, she grew up in Portugal, but uh, all her family's back in GTA. So definitely got the family support there. It's just uh, whether or not I'll have a job if I move out there. I don't actually have any schooling. I came uh, came into this company right out of high school, and I just threw a lot of uh, a lot of luck. I, I just managed to climb the the corporate ladder a little bit and land in my role right now. Yeah, that is awesome. So on paper, it looks like shit, but lots of experience anyway. However far that goes. Well, Joe, uh, what the hell were you doing today? <clears throat> uh, it was one of those early days for me. I had to get out and um, actually closed up the hot tub today, so that took about three hours. <coughs> You didn't bring in uh, the crew to do that? <clears throat> no, no. They were off uh, doing other stuff. Oh, okay. So did that and covered up the patio furniture and uh, went to the gym. And then I hit up uh, Wendy's for four burgers. And EB Games is right across the uh, parking lot. So I went there and picked up uh, three games today. You want to see? Uh, did you say four burgers? Four burgers. <laughs> just worked out anyway check it out uh lost planet right nice. for, uh four that was five bucks so you can't pass that one up in the uh, winter you play in the winter in that game don't you yep lost planet two ten bucks and then uh the piece the resistance i got uh fall cybertron which is the one after war of cybertron which is the one i was just playing and this one actually came with the uh Sleeve too, so that was cool. Did you get a deal on it? <clears throat> uh, actually, the Cybertron was full price. Lost Planet Two was half price, and then the four five dollar game was full price. Oh, why'd you pay full price for the Transformers game? I thought you were getting bored of them. Twenty two bucks, man. Anything around the nineteen twenty dollar mark, I think, is okay. It's funny though, because uh, <clears throat> remember uh, Q Dog was telling us a story, or maybe it was online about. Uh, no, he was telling, uh, I was on Retro Fandango, how he picked some games up at his local place and then they had to go to the back room to uh, get the actual discs. So this, the guy did the same thing to me today. He goes, oh, I, I got to take these two Lost Planets to the back to uh, grab me the discs. So he comes up, takes the ones that I picked off the shelf, puts them to the side, gives me the ones he took from the back, uh, minus the instruction booklets. <laughs> So I go, okay, let me take a look at this, which he wasn't going to let me do because he goes, oh, I forgot about that. Sorry, here, take a look. So the discs were fine, and then I go, uh, he's going to close them up, and I go, what about the uh, two missing instruction booklets? Oh, okay, I'll just uh, take, I'll, I'll take them from the uh, the other copies here. So they're getting to be a little fucking sketchy there, right? Eh? Do you think he was like doing that on purpose to get it over on you, or just was so, yeah. was a dummy? They're probably told just to get rid of the worst stock. I'm not even sure if these case covers are better than the ones that I picked up off the shelves, but they're okay for now. Hmm. But uh, I may just have to try another EV games. Stop going to this one. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, so I got those to play next, but uh, you and I were talking about this, Bill, and Dean, I looked on your um, your YouTube channel, and a couple of your recent posts have to do with, um, uh, what's that game, Bill? The real <laughs> Shit. <laughs> You were going so good. <laughs> yeah. Great part. 
Uh, Shadow of the Colossus? Shadow of the Colossus, that's it. Fuck. I'm only on the second bo- or third boss, so give me a break. But I found that funny because I started it, and then you started that the same day or the same weekend? Oh, I started it first. For sure. Okay. <laughs> well, it's because of Dean. I even got involved in that game because of his uh, the figures he's been showing off from the game. Yeah, I was just on his site recently, and I saw he's got, what, five or six? Yeah, there's uh, there's two more to go in the set, but that's it for the, the Colossus. But that's awesome you guys are playing. It's a, it's a fun game. They didn't oh. release the full Colossus set figure-wise? No, no. So that was Kotobukiya, and they were going to release a second uh, second wave, but that never came out. So mm-hmm. they only have uh, the seven figures, the one chase figure. Yeah, we've been missing out for 10 years. As soon as I put it in and played it for just a little bit, it was, it was awesome right from the beginning. There's no mucking about. You just go and fight a boss right away. Kind of figure yeah. out what, what the deal is and take them on. You don't have to you know, find a sword somewhere or dig up a shield somewhere else. Talk to a bunch of people. Just go and do it. Do you guys know about the lizards and apples? I have killed a couple. Okay. Killed a couple of lizards by accident. Am I supposed to? What What's the deal? I don't have instructions, so I don't even know any backstory or anything. All right. Well, um, yeah, I guess when you're done, listen to episode 10 of the Cartridge Club. They'll tell you all about it. But uh, there's some lizards in the game with a, a white tail and uh, some apples hanging on trees, and they're, they're camouflaged pretty well. You kill these lizards and, and apples, and you eat them, and your, your strength meter and your health meter kind of grow. Ah. Yeah, so if you don't do that, uh, the game's going to get pretty hard toward the end. So just a heads up. Oh, yeah, because it's just been fun so far. It's, you know, a little bit challenging, but nothing, you know, it's just fun. Yeah, I guess I'm fun. about five, five colossi in. Yeah, around uh, 12, 13, that's where it starts getting pretty tricky. So that's it every time. You just go find one and battle it. There's no you got other. It. That's a great, I love it. That's a good concept. It's like refreshing. Although I did find uh, if there was swimming involved, that was a super drag swimming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which one would you have fought that swim though? The, the flying one? Did you fall in the water a lot? Um, yeah, there I did. Oh, there was like the third guy or something was up high on some big pedestal that you had to jump across a bridge. And I oh, missed yeah, that man. jump a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. And the swim was like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Brutal. Did you play any more, Joe? No, I meant to do it tonight. I'll probably have to do it after this, uh, after we do this little show. I want to get one or two more bosses in. Yeah, I was about a half hour per boss, something like that. But uh, thanks, Dean, for putting up those videos. It's awesome. Hey, no problem. What about you, Bill? What's been going on? Uh, well, I had to take uh, the big kid to a doctor's appointment today um, to an allergist. No big deal. Uh, but the night before on my way home from work, I stopped at the Goodwill cause it's kind of on the way just to check things out. And, uh, there was an original Xbox there for 25 bucks. And there was a PS2 there for 20 bucks and a PS1, I think was 20 bucks too. A little bit ridiculous on all three. Uh, I checked the Xbox out. I opened up the disc drive to see if it, it was a drive that was known to have trouble, and it is. It's the the Thompson drive. So at twenty five bucks, there's really no, wasn't worth the gamble, wasn't worth worth the risk. So I left it there. But I did find uh, for my daughter a JBL iPod dock that they mistook for just a 
cheapo no-name iPod dock, but it was actually JBL and it worked. Uh, but I didn't have her iPod with me, so I kind of stashed it behind some stuff, knowing I'd probably bring her back there after a doctor's appointment. So we did the doctor's appointment, and then I said, you know what, I found a speaker for you. Let's go to Goodwill afterwards before I take you back to school. And it was still there, stashed in behind, and sure enough, it worked. And the sound out of this thing was really good. JBL, you can't go wrong. So I took that to the counter. They only wanted 8 bucks for it. And I was looking at that Xbox again. Even though I don't really need it, but, you know, opportunity to buy always presents itself. as 25 bucks. It's just, you know, a little bit too high made me uncomfortable. And the manager happened to be at the counter discussing an, another item. And I said, uh, you know, just friendly, uh, is, is there any kind of relief on this Xbox? The price is just, I don't feel comfortable. To, you know, it's as is. I got $5 and some rent in my pocket. Would you want it? <laughs> so she goes, I can't believe this guy. She goes, relief? What are you talking about? It's half price on all electronics today. I go, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? Hold on a second. I said to the cashier, I pulled that over. I ran back and I grabbed that PS2, loaded all that up. The kid's speaker was only got down to $4. So took all that and loaded it in the trunk. Is that every Wednesday half price? I have no idea. I was too excited. I forgot to ask her. Because normally it's just Fridays there is half price on the entire store, and that's when all the dealer scumbags are there for the opening. So I felt I uh, got one over on everybody there. And even the cashier said, it's half price today? Manager's like, yeah, there's a sign on the door, uh, but the cashier had wedged the doors wide open so no one could see the sign. So I think that's why a lot of people missed those deals. That was my uh, good deal of the day. Well played. So I know, Joe, you were kind of... You might have been looking for a PS2 Slim. Yeah, I am, actually. So, there you go. I might be able to work something out. uh, You don't want to have two different ones? I don't think so. I don't think I need to. Because, Dean, what? You got three, right? Uh, Four. Four? Yeah, you got the black, white, silver. I got uh, two blacks, a white, and a silver. Yeah. One Japanese, one uh, North American. (laughs) Yeah, the Japanese is the backwards compatible one, right? Yep. Well, these are both black, but the one I have already the uh the latch doesn't close when you put the disc in so you always got to put something on top of it so maybe i will swap them out i don't know what are you doing there playing with yourself who are you talking to dean (laughs) you i can see you (laughs) don't worry about me right all right man why don't we uh get this show on the road yeah we got a lot to talk about actually all right everyone thanks again for uh tuning in and welcome to another show of STC Pod. I'm Joe, and alongside with me is the, the man who likes to quote Tiffany lyrics to me while we're at work by ourselves, uh, my co-host, Bill. Likes to what? Quote Tiffany lyrics. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't deny it. <laughs> uh, if you've never listened to us before, STC Pod is a free-form podcast where we riff on anything and everything that interests the two of us, ranging from video games, movies, TV shows, and everything else going on in our crazy lives. You can find and follow us in the following places on Twitter at STC pod. That's the account that bill handles for us. Then you can follow me on Twitter at AC Decepticon. You can check out our blog site, which is www.stcpod.com. Check out my blog, which is www.angrycanadiandecepticon.blogspot.ca. Uh, you can also find my other podcast there, transformers and beer. 
Uh, check out our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash start to continue. And we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Let's get on with the show and Bill can formally introduce our special guest. Yeah, very special guest. We are very pleased and humbled to have uh, the great Dean Lasagna from Round 2 Gaming. Uh, we've wanted Dean on for a long time. He's he's uh, the pinnacle of the collecting world in our circle, and uh, it's just uh, it's exciting to finally have you on, man. You're one of our biggest supporters, and uh, it's I love having you on. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, let me tell you, when I got that that message to to come on, I got goosebumps. It's it's definitely been a podcast I've wanted to come on for a while. So thanks for having me, and and sorry again for all the uh, crazy uh, work schedules. Thanks for rearranging your schedule to to get on. No, no worries. Uh, it's, yeah, thanks a lot. It's it. Anytime we try to have a guest, it's it's so hard because me and Joe's schedule is uh, constantly rotating between nights and days and trying to get other people on, especially when time zones are involved. But uh, again, thank you for you. Like I said, you're one of our biggest supporters and uh, we love having you on board. Where, where did you ever find our silly little show from? You know, I don't remember. I, I found it pretty early on, but I want to say it was uh, Kevin that that kind of shed some light on the podcast and oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. So, but uh, yeah, I've been a big fan since I, I want to say May, April, maybe so around episode 20, whenever that was. Well, we definitely want to hear what you've been doing because you had, which you alluded to earlier. Well, most everyone probably already knows the Portland retro gaming expo was on and you rounded up some people went on a road trip. How did yeah. that come about? Uh, so last November, I would have went to Japan. On the way back, my flight got rescheduled, and I had a, a pretty terrible layover in LA. It was a late arrival, early uh, early departure, so we had to get a hotel. And um, I gave Girlfriend Versus a call, Curtis from Girlfriend Versus, and I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in town for a while. Do you want to meet up? just for a drink, uh, maybe after nine o'clock. And uh, he said, sure. And, and by the time we got there, you know, being the guy he is, he, he showed up at LAX, drove way out of the way uh, to pick me up from the, the uh, hotel or the airport hotel and uh, drove me down through LA, took me out to Santa Monica, um, tried to kill me with some Mexican food out there. And then he took me out to an awesome barcade called 82. And uh, we just spent the night there just playing turtles and drinking and, Simpsons and Tapper and all sorts of games. So uh, that was pretty awesome. That was kind of my first um, interactions with him. And then uh, after that, we started keeping in touch. And he said, you know, you have to have to get out to this place called uh, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. He had gone the previous year. And it was actually on a, um, a Skype call with Kevin and me and him. And he said, you guys have to come out here. Just do whatever you can to set aside some time. And I said, no problem. If Kevin goes, I'll go. And Kevin said, yep, no problem. If Dean goes, I'll go. And, uh, yeah, within a couple of weeks, I started booking some things. And Kevin's like, oh, no, can't do it. Sorry, guys. So I had to uh, <laughs> round up a, a couple other Cartridge Club members to fill the gap. So it's uh, it's been really good. With uh, the Cartridge Club website, I was able to get a hold of a lot of people. Um, Paul, Cartridge Canuck, he lives uh, about four hours north of me. And Lukeman, who lives out in Winnipeg, he was able to fly out to Calgary and meet up here, spent the night here, and then just road trip down. Wow. And, uh, there was about uh, 
want to say about 20 of us all together, a, a dozen right from the club and then a couple friends. Wow, that's crazy. Well, uh, so Cartridge Canuck and Lukeman met up at your house first? Yeah, so uh, Cartridge Canuck, he was driving south toward uh, toward my place on the way. He stopped by the Calgary airport where Luke was waiting. Oh. came up and uh, they stayed at my place in Bent for the night and we just played games and had pizza and beer and and then, uh, you know, through the through the site, we got a hold of uh, the Q Dogs, um, Curtis, who came uh, with his entourage of, of friends, and uh, Jay from Dubious Gaming, uh, Doc Ness, or the Nintendo Doctor, uh, Stumptown Retro, or the Portlandian, um, Glenn Stanway from the Nintendo Quest, John Riggs from Rig Games, like tons of people from the actual club. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we were we were able to meet up, and it was it was awesome, but. If, if there's one goal I have in the next year, it's it's to get more of you guys out there. I know everybody's busy and got family, but it, it's <laughs> incredible. It, it would it be to contact like Portland Retro Gaming Expo, tell them to send up a film crew to, I don't know, Michael B. the Game Genie out in Newfoundland, get them to rent a bus and just drive east, picking up all the members on the way, stop in Halifax, pick up the bros, pick up John, pick up you guys, GTA, and a couple guys in Winnipeg and the Rockies, and then... Uh, Cat Max can take his own ferry out to Vancouver and meet up, and then we drive south through Seattle, filming the whole way, picking up games, and just having fun. And then uh, when we finally arrive, got that all on uh, camera. I think it'd be pretty cool. That is a good idea. That actually is a good documentary idea, for yeah. sure. We were trying to price it out in our heads, thinking, is it worth just the travel down, uh, the expenses for the hotel and the food, and we tally that all up for what, uh, two nights, three days. Is, is it worth the trip? Like, can you yeah. maybe, can you ballpark maybe, or, you know, like how did you guys do it? Just, well, you know what, if, if you're driving and if you're able to get a couple of people, it's, it's, you know, orders of magnitude cheaper than, than flying. Um, but if you're, if you have to fly, I would say keep your flight within Canada and a road trip down with somebody else. When you get four or five people in a room, it's, it's pennies. You're, you're, you're talking maybe $50 a night per person so it, it's cheap 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 uh, we paid i think uh 450 bucks for four nights and uh and that was between three people so a hundred and something dollars each it, it got cheap i'd say maybe set aside a thousand dollars and some time and, and you'll be able to get down there just fine <laughs> i love how casually you said that <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i i know you guys got uh yeah families and, and commitments and things so not just you guys, but anybody who's listening, you know, if, if you're looking for something to do and you can maybe save up a couple bucks between now and next October, definitely put this high up on your list. It's, uh, you know, I went there for the game and uh, I have memories of, of, of the people, right? The experience as a whole. So it's, it's one of the best gaming moments I've had for sure. Yes. Yes. So it's probably more uh, the meeting of the people than browsing through tables at that point. Yeah. So... I went in there with the, the expectation that me and Paul and Luke would be kind of joined at the hip and going through bins together. And, and within seconds, I couldn't find them anymore. <laughs> you, you, there's no way you're holding on to anybody there. So you go there, um, you get together for lunch. Maybe you get together after the expo. Um, the, the city never sleeps. I mean, it's got 24 hour donut places and, and bars, um, not many restaurants in the downtown area, but there's definitely stuff to do. So after the expo, uh, we got to hang out with uh, Gamester81, uh, hung out a lot with uh, Curtis and, and, like I said, his entourage, uh, Neil and Edward and, and then Life. 
and uh, all sorts of people. Yeah, I heard like the Q dogs dropped acid and just went crazy for three days straight. That... Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the norm for them. <laughs> they were, let me tell you, these guys, that's the nicest, most genuine family you'll ever meet. They invited us to their place. Um, we met their kids. We met their family. Just awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, explain to us, like me and Joe were trying to, we we didn't see much from inside the show. Like explain when you walk in the convention, like how big is this thing? And, and what is there that, that makes it like you got to do it every year? Right. So this was a, the 10th anniversary. It apart? Yeah, the 10th anniversary. So this is the first time I'm going. Uh, just based on what I've heard from the others, it's it's substantially bigger than it was last year. So I was talking to Terry, one of the organizers from uh, Luigi Freakout 123, and he was saying they were expecting about 7,000 people over uh, two days. And normally what they do is they rent out uh, Exhibit Hall D, um, which is where the vendors were this year, and that's all they rent out, and it's about 65,000 square feet. This year they, they rented out Exhibit Hall D and E, which came to about 100,000 square feet. Uh, and Exhibit Hall E was all arcades and for the tournaments, and Exhibit Hall D was for all the, the vendors and the exhibitors. So 100,000 square feet is massive. There's no way a one-day ticket's going to get you through all of that, especially if you're going to panels. On the one side, you have about 150 arcade and pinball machines, and they're all on free play, right? So, so no money's put in there. Uh, Unlimited Lives, and they got all the classics, Pac-Man, Tempest, Paperboy, Frogger, Yars Revenge. They got some great multiplayer cabinets like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Simpsons and Sunset Riders. And uh, again, all the pinball machines, you got James Bond, you got Creatures of the Black, uh, Indiana Jones, all, all sorts of games. So if, if you're ever bored of spending money, go there and, uh, and you can spend hours. So that's a really cool part of it. But then you got the other side, which is like 160, I think, exhibitors this year, uh, which is a record. And they range from big, uh, about 25 new homebrews that they uh, revealed at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, Zippy the Porcupine, Wall Jump Ninja, Jump VCS. And they have like 30 or 40 different TVs set up, all with uh, Atari 2600, 52, 78, all hooked up for you guys to try out. No retro USB. Have you heard of them? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. No? Okay. Uh, so it's, it's a website that... Um, it sells a lot of repros and homebrews. New console that they revealed, and it's like an NES. Uh, any game you want, it's got a built-in Game Genie. It's got four ports, so you don't need that NES four score uh, for the controllers. Um, it's got a connection for the, this really cool up-res version of the NES. So that's going to come out in about six months' time, and and those are pretty cool things that that they showcase while they're there. Did they have a proposed price on something like that? Uh, they said, uh, I want to say 139. Oh, really? 59. Yeah. So it was definitely under 200. But again, that's American. So it's, it's like $800 Canadian at this point. So the arcade side of things, is that something you can even get um, onto? Or is are they like lined up out the yim yam? No, no. Like I said, there's about 150 different uh, arcade machines and pinball machines. And I never had to wait more than five, well, not even five minutes, two minutes maybe, um, if it was one that I absolutely wanted to play. But if you're just looking for an open slot, 100% of the time there's there's going to be uh, a game for you to play. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure I could play pinball all day. 
I wouldn't have a problem doing that. Yeah, a lot of people did. You know, they they spent all their money on the first day, and then the second day was just. So you're looking at 13, 14 hours of, of pinball if you want for the price of nothing. <laughs> what was the admission worth? Uh, for the early access uh, full weekend pass, it came to $24, maybe. Wow, that's nothing. No, it, it, it's literally, yeah, it's nothing. So, Dane, if we could take it back a step. <clears throat> you guys <laughs> arrived there, what, Friday night? No, we, we drove out on Thursday. That's okay. kind of a, a full-day drive. Thursday, you guys probably did, what, the usual thing at nighttime, had dinner, had some drinks, got to know everybody. The show started Friday? Yeah, well, no, the show starts on Saturday. So we got there Thursday night. It's about a 14-hour drive from where we are. And um, that first night, we went out to a pizza place. We went out to Ground Control, which is kind of the local barcade that everybody goes to. And then Friday was just uh, meeting up with a lot of YouTubers, had breakfast at Denny's, and it was it was awesome. Uh, Paul got uh, some pretty awesome deals on, on Friday. He got a Sega Genesis Model 3 for 10 bucks. We got a Famicom with a, an AV out mod for uh, 25 bucks. So that was all before uh, before the doors even opened on Saturday. Well, uh, did you have a ga- uh, <clears throat> specific game plan yourself, or did you guys talk about like, all right, as soon as we get in there, this is what I'm looking for? Or guys that have been there previously, did they give you a rundown of where you should go first or anything like that? No, so by by going in on Friday, uh, we were able to see kind of which tables sold what, and and there's really a huge uh, range of what people are selling. A lot of people are selling games, um, but there's there's artwork there. There's um, uh, you know like cell art and pixel art. There's uh, smaller collectors that sell figures. There was a couple uh, Transformers toys. There's all sorts of things. Was it all uh, like big boy dealers or is it just your everyday uh, Joe buying a table to sell stuff? No, it was, it was both. So again, you had like one up games and, and another castle and they were, they were pretty big. They had uh, some pretty massive wraparound booths, but then you had smaller collectors like Chris Kohler or bald by uh, bald guy video games um, who just had little tables in front of them. Uh, some, some church groups there that had games from, I don't know where, and uh, they were just selling them for either dirt cheap or, or really expensive. Oh, so uh, you finish your first day at the uh, at the deal. What what was the shenanigans that night? What was the first night? First night we went out with uh, Games Thirty One. So uh, we met up with him after the show. Um, there was there was one side of town where everybody was dressed like zombie brides. So it was pretty crazy. It just <laughs> they just flood the streets. These people. Some cities, you know, they're kind of, you know, narrowed down to one or two blocks and Portland just explodes into strange people. You guys get back to the hotel room and just pass right out or any shenanigans there? Yeah, watch out for no, that cartridge I, Canuck, I heard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I probably spent a total of like an hour awake in our hotel room. You're, you're out from early morning until late, late at night. And by the time you get back, you just want to. You just want to crash. Um, I was. I pulled out my games. I stacked them up. I had a look at them, and then I passed out. There's. I brought my 3ds. I didn't even turn it on. Even like Paul with those consoles, he didn't try plugging them into the to the hotel TV. You know, see if they work. Well, the last night we were there, um, he did try to to hook it up, and they worked fine. We played maybe five minutes of Toe Jam and Earl, and then called it a night. So yeah, I totally expected to just kind of hang out in the room for a while and play some games and look at our buys and maybe do a bit of filming and 
Did you have like a, can you remember, or do you know your, your specific wish list that you went into the, the show with? Yeah. So I had a, well, I had about 600 things that I wanted to buy. It was like 670 items on my list, but oh. of my, my top priority, I had uh, maybe five to 10 and uh, I was able to find most of them, but you know, there, there's a couple tips I think you, you need to know when you go to these things. And one of them is um, you got to shop around. The first table I went to, I was looking for a complete in box uh, Lufia for the Super Nintendo. And the first table I went to sold it for 179. Uh, the next table was maybe 159, 139, then down to 129. So there's a massive gap between the same game, same quality, uh, but the price between each. And it really depends on whether it's a, you know, a big booth um, that can take the hit, or a small collector that doesn't know necessarily what the regular rates are. But yeah, we found a lot of awesome deals. And toward the end of the show, toward the, the end of the second day, you can make all sorts of deals, bringing them down 50, 60%. So uh, how big of a haul did you get? Did you come close to your number of 600 and something? Oh God, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I, I spent um, I spent quite a bit of money, but I, I got uh, a lot of the high profile items. I got a complete in box uh, Demon's Crest, just pristine condition. Got a complete in box Joe and Mac, Toe Jam and Earl too, so $100, $200 marks. So that was nice to get some deals on loose carts, a bunch of NES titles, uh, Strider for the Genesis. Um, Paul sold me a lot of his uh, NES boxes that he brought down as trading collateral. But I, I got a lot of um, toys and stuff as well, right? I got some Earthworm Jim figures that I was missing in the collection. I got uh, like an N64 promotional VHS or a Rayman. Or this really cool Squaresoft Final Fantasy VII promotional VHS that I've never seen. So I got those for for pretty cheap as well. Did you guys? So you guys must have had a pretty full carload going back home. It, was there any issues over the border or anything like that? No, no. They ask you. They say, "Did you pick up anything?" You say, "Yeah, I picked up a, a couple games, a game or two. And they ask how much, and you say, "A uh, hundred bucks." There's no prices on these things, so you know, unless you get a a really nerdy. Uh, Border Patrol guy, he's not going to know the difference. Yeah, I suppose, unless they were filming the Border Patrol show and trying to show off to the cameras. Yeah, that's right. We went through Idaho. There's a there's like a little small tit in Idaho that connects with Canada, and uh, that border crossing is is dead. There's there's nobody that goes through there. The guys like sleeping. So how was the cro- the cross country trip part of it? Uh, did you see any wacky stuff down there? Crazy oh, towns. Oh yeah, there's some some strange towns in Idaho, but uh, we went to a couple thrift stores and and not a whole lot of luck. Uh, certainly nothing uh, to write home about like the Game Chasers film, but uh, it was fun. It, it's a nice drive. We had awesome weather. Got to stop at a uh, some pretty good eateries. We got uh, Dick's Burgers, which are fantastic. A, a little burger joint out of Spokane. Yeah, just a nice drive. Pretty easy. We overshot uh, the highway by about 20 minutes on the way back, but that was our only hiccup. <laughs> who, was, uh, who was in charge of navigation for that? Uh, that was my phone, uh, which is <laughs> navigation. So. Uh, you had a free pass to blame someone there. Jeez. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? Paul did all the driving, 14 hours there, 14 hours back, and uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome for doing it. Wow, that's a, that's a ride and a half. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah, I read on Twitter, Curtis, uh, Girlfriend Versus had a crazy drive, too. It's uh, Yeah, well, they just missed uh, the mudslide. 
by the time they got north enough in um, California, I guess the mudslide uh, fell behind them and it would have taken out the highway. So they would have had to oh. go around or, and it was already a 20 hour drive for them. Uh, I tell, this show must be good. Put in that kind of uh, effort, man. There's uh, people that drove out from uh, Connecticut. Uh, one guy met from uh, Florida. He drove out. So, I mean, it's, it's worth it. Well, maybe uh, next year, Joe will take the tarp off the airstream and, Drive us on over there. Yeah, God, I wish we had something like that a lot closer to us here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Canada is. Uh, I find the, uh, the the market here in Toronto is uh, piss poor in terms of getting any deals. And anytime you have a convention, like, you know, I'm stuck with my Transformers ones, or even if I go, like, to the 80s Toy Show Expo or whatever, prices are just through the roof, and you can't really enjoy it, right? Yeah, I mean, I know you guys got uh, Waterloo. That looked pretty cool, that, <coughs> that game swap. I know, Bill, you went to that. Yeah, that was that was fine. That was good. Got a couple things. That's what I was trying to figure out, what, how big the Portland thing is in relation to the Waterloo thing. Yeah, I don't know. How many square feet is Waterloo, the, the exhibition hall? I couldn't tell you, but yeah. it's not that big. But, you know, the ads for Waterloo did say they had like 120 vendor tables. Okay. Yeah, this was about 150, 160. So I know there's a lot of videos up on YouTube. I mean, have a look at that and... Um, if you go to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo website, you can see kind of the floor plans. It's big. I mean, I, I wouldn't want it any bigger, to be honest. I found most things I was looking for, and, uh, you know, my feet were pretty sore by the end of it. So Yeah, it sounds massive. It sounds like, uh, you know, our auto show here in Toronto, which is you almost need two days to get through that. It's so big. Yeah. Well, what you found a Hyperstone heist there for pretty cheap, didn't you? Uh, myself? Well, that, no, that yeah, that was the uh, auto flea market. Uh, oh, okay. That was yeah, Barry, right? It's just north of Barry. Yeah, that was pretty cheap. That was pretty cheap. Yeah, so I know uh, <laughs> the Q Dogs found that. That was on their their last year's list, and they were pretty happy. It's pretty pretty good condition. That's right. I wanted to uh, rub it into Mighty Q Dog our price difference, but but I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you though, if you guys go, if I, if I can give you one tip, it's shower, just hygiene. <laughs> it's so, that was the worst part of it. Nobody knows how to shower there. It's, I it's, can believe it. Yeah. You're just in line with the, the stinkiest people you'll ever meet. That's always been the case. I used to go to uh, record shows where it was just people selling vinyl in a, in an old, like the basement of a church or something. And people just wall to wall looking through vinyl and that that was that was something else yeah <laughs> yeah you got the musty vinyl smell and the musty people smell so yeah everything was pretty clean here like there was a couple of people wearing plastic gloves and little onesies to to protect them but uh yeah it was it was pretty clean it was pretty good all right but, so you, you got back home and uh to bamp the boys stay over one more night or no they uh um paul had to work in the morning and uh, oh. luke had an early flight so um they they just trucked on to the the airport and, and luke was actually in the middle of a move so when he got back to winnipeg i imagine he just uh picked up his car and picked up some stuff at his old place and drove it to the new place so it was busy. I mean, like I said, everybody's got plans and puts a lot of things aside for this show, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's crazy. Did the wife uh, immediately ask you what you got, and is she is she into sharing your experience with you? 
Uh, she's she's not into playing the games. She's she's a supporter of the hobby. She never has a problem with it. If she knew how much I spent, she might have a problem with it. But yeah, that's uh, always the case. Yeah, but she's she's totally fine. She was happy because uh, you know I told her some of the items that I was looking for, and and that really meant nothing to her. But when I came back and I said that I found those items, she was pretty happy. And um, yeah, she she likes to look at these things and likes to look at my games room when it's organized. So. She has uh, she has no problem. But if you plan on taking a spouse down to these things, make sure they're into it. Otherwise, you're just gonna have the worst. I saw two guys, uh, one whose girlfriend was was just yelling at him for spending too much money, and the other one she was crying because she wanted to leave on the first day. And and I mean, you're spending hours per table digging through bins and you know talking with people and meeting up with YouTubers, and if if they're just kind of the third wheel, they're gonna have a terrible time, and you're gonna have a terrible time. So. Don't bring him. <laughs> well, the only spouse I would bring would be Bill. <laughs> there you go. Well, it was funny, even that, that big group photo you took with all the cartridge clubbers, and there was Melissa on the end, and the rest, it was a big, giant sausage party. So, <laughs> No, there was, a, there was a bit of cosplay going on there, um, and yeah, every time a girl walked by, the entire room just turned around. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty impressive. You still getting that thunderstorm? I don't know. I'm in the basement, so... Not hearing any yeah. vibrations. Well, speaking of not hearing anything, if you go to Portland, bring your list on a piece of paper. Yeah, there's no 3G, and uh, Wi-Fi is ridiculously expensive. And if you're uh, on a Canadian plan, uh, you're spending all kinds of money if you don't get the the proper plan. So. Well, that is a good tip for sure. I that I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't think of that. Like even with my record collection, I have it all um, like pictures of it, but it's all up in the cloud. So I would just. You know, I look at my uh, Google gallery to see if I need something. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, wondering if you have a game. You know, your one chance to get it and your your stuff's up in the cloud. Are we going to be seeing some videos from you? Yeah, you know, I I had planned to go in there and film everything and I filmed nothing. I didn't even unpack my camera, to be honest. You're you're too busy meeting people and just hanging out and having a good time. And I think that's one of my regrets now that I'm back is I, I would have really liked more footage. I started a gallery up on the the Cartridge Club website, and uh, it's it's pretty sad right now. There's like ten photos on there. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's the thing when you wanna when you wanna shoot stuff, you know, um, do you wanna look at it through a tiny little viewfinder or do you wanna experience it? So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, do you have room on the shelves for the stuff you brought back from Portland? Yeah, yeah, there's always room. I'll I'll move something. Um, I came back to a couple of statues in the mail, so. I have to do a lot of shuffling anyway because my, my shelves are pretty pretty packed. But uh, yeah, for sure, I'm I'm sure all of our listeners are aware. But uh, you can check out uh, visual tours, and Dean is there narrating them. He describes what's in the game room step by step, extremely detailed, and uh, it's like a room I've not seen before. Man, it's impressive to say the least. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really got to finish that. Uh, I stopped, I think, at episode 8. Um, I got a bit of flack for how I did the, the game, so I was thinking about how I could do them a little more interesting and kind of dropped off from there. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know what what, what makes a shelf of games interesting. <laughs> I It's, it's yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, I love how uh, you can't put anything up without people breaking it down. But let me tell you, all the trolls were were gone from Portland. I mean, there there was not a single bad person there. Oh, that's cool. There was a, a lot of compliments for 
for my page and it's fun to get recognized you gotta pull your ego down a little bit sometimes when you're you know you're getting the oh round two gaming but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, nice. uh, it's fun I, I was i was a little starstruck when i saw alpha and mega sin and and johnny those were the first two i kind of stumbled on my words a bit but then after that i realized that everybody's just kind of walking around anyway like normal people so got used to it pretty quick and was able to keep up pretty good conversations with you know pat the nes punk or games 81 or metal jesus yeah joe's been on a pat kick for a little while listening to a bunch of that <clears throat> yeah i haven't uh i've never really checked out his uh youtube page i've only pretty much seen him like when he was on the angry video game nerd right uh, as a co-host or whatever but um i've started checking out his videos uh i'm actually really enjoying it I, i'm pleasantly surprised that yeah he, he's, he's certainly knowledgeable yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he gets a lot of flack for, for whatever reasons, but uh, he's he definitely knows his stuff. And people were grabbing something from one bin and walking up to Pat and say, what is this? Or how much should I pay for this, etc." cetera? And, and Pat would know. He's a, he's a smart guy when it comes to those old retro consoles. And we went to his panel to play the punk challenge. So that was pretty cool. He pits uh, a couple audience members against each other and gives away prizes. And yeah, it was fun. Did you come away with any door prizes or any freebies like that? Yeah, there's a, a lot of door prizes. I found a a, a table with a, a bunch of PRGE pins, and it said free. And right behind those pins were a bunch of boxed Magnavox Odyssey 2 games, and it looked like the free applied to those as well. <laughs> so I loaded up my bag. Nice. And <laughs> and uh, I caught a, a couple T-shirts, two T-shirts, uh, a little bit of swag like that. But the rest uh, I paid for. Hey, I want to get back to your shelves. I always want to know, how do you deal with the dust on all, all the stuff? Is somebody tell you to say that? <laughs> no, I'm, it's a, I fight daily with dust. I'm wondering what you're getting. What I you're dealing swear, with. every single person who has come in this room, every single one has said, how do you deal with the dust? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, Do you guys normally dust shelves? There's always dust on the stuff here. Really? I don't know. Yeah, it's maybe my vents are dirty. Most of my stuff is boxed, though, so I don't run into the same issue that you have with all your loose figures, right? I don't know. Like, I'm looking at my shelves. I, I use Can-Air maybe once a year, and, and there's no dust on these shelves. Wow. I don't know. It must be a problem, but... Must be that clean Banff air. That's, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be it. Or you don't shed any dead skin cells. You're like a superhero. <laughs> there you go. No, it, it's Crash. fun. I'm going to have to, to, we just got a roommate. So, you know, my plans of expanding into the other bedroom are kind of kiboshed and my wife's still not going for switching the master bedroom for this one. So it's, uh, it's going to have to stay at this for now. It, it's actually a lot smaller, I think, than it looks in the videos. I, I use a bit of wide, wide angles, but uh, I know Paul and Luke both said it's, it's a little bit smaller than they imagined. So. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> Joe hears that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine uh, that night Paul was there overnight, you know, everyone asleep. He snuck back into that room and threw all the games onto the floor and took all <laughs> of his clothes off and rolled well, around. I was actually going to get one of them to sleep up here and we couldn't bring the cot, so uh, they actually both slept downstairs, but... I guess it would have been pretty cool to sleep in here. Do you do much uh, gaming in that room? 
Yeah, all my retro gaming is done here. Um, my PS4 and my Wii U and kind of all my current gen stuff is downstairs on the big screen, but everything else is hooked up here. Uh, I, I don't know, I'd probably say 20 hours a month in here. That's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get any further into the game room, we should you know, subject you to the collector's questionnaire. Okay. Um, you might have heard we put P1 through this and uh, came up with a lot of good answers. So naturally, we want to get the king collector on board the questionnaire. So first off, we probably know the answer, but what do you collect and why? I collect uh, anything and everything to do with video games. How and where do you store all your stuff? <clears throat> now we've seen from at least anyone that's seen your uh, your uh, your videos of your your retro gaming room and collectible room. Obviously, know that your stuff is all in your shelves there and whatnot. But do the amount of stuff that you have, do you have it like off location as well, or is everything on in your house? Uh, so in my house, I have a couple of closets full of um, full of other little toys and, and boxes that I just can't fit in the room, mainly uh, statues and things. Um, but uh, hopefully one day I'll be able to display it all. Everything's in the house, so there's nothing off-site. That's, that's good to know you don't have a huge storage bunker somewhere with uh, piles and piles of stuff. Um, uh, what is your rarest... Most unusual or most valuable item you have? I don't know. Thermometers. So I think from an unusual standpoint, that's that's probably where it's at. Did you just say rectal thermometers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a Mario and a Yoshi. <laughs> so those were those were from Japan. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So for whatever reason, they didn't get ported over here. But uh, those those are probably the most unusual ones I have. Uh, in terms of rare items, um, a lot of my statues, uh, I have uh, some pretty early numbers, some um, 0 to 10 uh, numbered statues, uh, which are which are pretty rare. Uh, I have a couple of rare games, you know, Complete in Box, uh, Earthbound, or um, Panzer Dragoon Saga, or, uh, yeah, just a bunch of, of retro games as well, and a lot of uh, Japanese-exclusive Mario toys that just never made their way here. I think my, my favorite collection that I have is um, the Furuta figures. I did a couple of videos on those on my YouTube channel, and they're just like Kinder Surprise eggs. With uh, There's about 120 of them now, so I have all of those. Very good. Uh, what quote-unquote white whale item are you still looking for? So I, I guess if you're, if you're talking about a, a figure that I, I didn't, wasn't able to get my hands on, it would be uh, the first four figures version of the uh, Golden Cat Mario. What in your collection has given you the biggest thrill? Let's see. I I don't know. I, I really like uh, setting up the uh, the statues, to be honest. And again, those first... Um, there was a company called N-Sky in Japan that puts together these 3D puzzles. And uh, it's fun to collect and build. Those are pretty challenging. Those are, so, yeah. In terms of... Uh, those are pretty fun. Um in terms of kind of hunting out and collecting, uh, I would probably say some of my Final Fantasy figures. Uh, trying to, to complete those collections in the wild is always fun. Uh, how do you track stuff down? <clears throat> I know you did uh, 
there's one story of you being backpacking in Southeast Asia. And while you were there, you went on to Kijiji, (coughs) sorry, Kijiji, and saw a crystal Xbox for 20 bucks, which you got your brother-in-law to pick up for you. (laughs) You have a good memory, Jesus. Which is a fucking crazy story because you're in Southeast Asia. And what are you doing looking on Kijiji? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was... uh, Aside from Kijiji, which, if you don't live in Canada, is obviously our version of Craigslist, what's your best means of tracking down items for your collection? Uh, honestly, we have uh, Kijiji here that I use a lot. Uh, we have a place called the Banff or Bow Valley Buy, Sell, and Trade. It's like a Facebook group. And in Banff, in terms of games, nobody wants to play games here. They just want to ski, snowboard, drink, party. So it's, uh, you know, anybody who has... Uh, a lot of stuff in the garage usually posted on there for for pretty cheap. Alternatively, what happens is uh, the ski crowd, the Australians, will come up. They'll miss their Xbox One or their PS4 from back home, so they'll buy a new one while they're out here for the six-month uh, seasonal period. And then when they go back home, they're not going to want to drag it all the way back to a PAL region, so they uh, they sell it for pretty cheap, whatever they can get for a flight home. Like, like everywhere, people are starting to to think you know they have an atari in the basement so that's that's thousands of dollars sitting there (laughs) just to add to that like on your trips abroad um say japan or when you're hunting for games and do you amass so much like have you thought about uh like filling a shipping container that kind of thing and sending it over yeah so I, i thought about that usually what happens is i'll go to japan with a backpack and I'll just shove as many clothes in there as possible. It's so humid that, you know, you don't need to iron anything. So when you get there, you just pull it all out. And I'll usually go to, a, like, the Japanese equivalent of a, a thrift store and buy two big suitcases. Do you, uh, do you normally check out that, um, what's it called, Akiyaba? Or? Yeah, so Akiyaba is a, a district in Tokyo. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so we always go there, and, and it's... It's massive. It's blocks and blocks of everything gaming and anime related. But it's a little overwhelming, right? So you, you got to pick some stores in there that you want to go to. So games like Super Potato are really popular. That's a, that's a retro gaming store. It's about four stories of uh, everything retro. And then they got these big uh, buildings called uh, Yorobashis. So Yorobashi Umeda, Yorobashi Akiba. Uh, they're about 13 stories tall and they're just giant electronic malls. <laughs> yeah, you, you spend days in there. So you haven't got that far where you're thinking of filling a shipping container? No, like I've thought about it, but it, it's like three $400 to, to mail back a proper size container from Japan. Um, so Dean, how will I, this massive collection you have, how will you eventually dispose of your collection? I don't know if I'll if I'll ever get rid of it per se. What I would like to do, so I'm in in contact a lot with other pretty big collectors out there in terms of memorabilia. So I don't know if you guys know Brett Martin. He's uh he's the Guinness record holder for uh, video game memorabilia. There's yeah. people out there like Whitney who have the largest Silent Hill and Deadly Premonition collection. So there's a lot of these isolated collections and a lot of these grander scales. And I, I would like to get together with these people. And at some point, it'd be really cool to, to start up some sort of a memorabilia museum of sorts. That's, uh, that's a, just a pipe dream, though, if I ever, you know, came into some sort of uh, some debt or family issues, you know, I, I would, of course, sell it as fast as I could. But 
unless that happens, I'm, I'm thinking of holding on to it for the foreseeable future. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, a lot of this stuff isn't going to be worth a lot of money. Um, you know, once you take figures out of the boxes, you know, they're not, they're not worth a whole lot. Once you start getting complete collections, that's where you can kind of recoup some of the cash. But, you know, if I'm buying rectal thermometers in Japan, you know, I'm going to have to wait a long time before those are, those are really worth more than what I paid. <laughs> oh, that's a, so what do you put in your will for your uh, collection? I, I don't know. I don't have a will, so I should probably get on that. But uh, it's it's definitely insured. Oh, good. Uh, th- yeah, I I went through that insurance question care. with uh, my record collection. They're like, how much do you think it's uh, worth? I'm like, I don't know. It's priceless. I've been hunting this stuff forever. I, I can't put a price on it. <laughs> so I imagine you went through the same thing. Yeah, the, you know, you don't really know what to say. My hope is that if anything ever happens, they go directly to eBay and find out. <laughs> right. Uh, what's your all-time favorite item, regardless of value or rarity in your collection? Oh, Jesus. Uh, favorite item. Or one or two items, if it's easier, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a, a Sonic plush that I have. It was one of the first uh, first pieces of memorabilia I can remember getting. I got it for, uh, for my birthday one year as a kid. And uh, that's still here, so... That's probably one of my favorite items. Um, another one probably being my uh, my NES. I got that uh, Christmas of 1990, and uh, you know it's still working, and that's kind of what got me into this hobby. So, not definitely not expensive items, but uh, I guess a personal. If there's a fire in your house and your Ness and your wife are lying side by side, who do you pick <laughs> up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably have to go with the wife. She could hold on to the nest for you. So. Uh, what is your greatest regret? Greatest regret? Uh, um, I, I got a little crazy when it came to eBay. Uh, a lot of eBay prices uh, I didn't really care about. I didn't do my research behind them, and I probably ended up spending uh, a couple thousand dollars more than uh, what I could have if I would just done a bit of research. I, I regret kind of that period uh, five, four or five years ago. Um, yeah, I just, I didn't do the research. I didn't know enough about memorabilia because there's a lot of stuff that, um, a lot of different websites, a lot of different portals and channels that you can get it for a lot cheaper, uh, Japan auctions or Yahoo auctions or Rakuten. So I wish I would have known about those sooner. Like how does it become a piece of memorabilia that you desire? Because there's like, such a vast ocean of it all what level does it have to get to where you say i need this one uh it really comes down to uh personal experience with the game so if i I recognize characters from a game i usually like having uh, a lot of memorabilia for that character uh final fantasy being some of my favorite games i have a lot of uh, final fantasy merchandise games that i haven't played or where it starts to kind of phase out it has to be a really good price for me to get it or i have to know that there's a limited run. Uh, mm-hmm. What I'm finding now is that companies are starting to catch on to this um, and <laughs> they're starting to make all sorts of exclusives. So uh, a company like First Four Figures, uh, which is a fantastic statue company, uh, used to make one one issue. They used to just put out a Sonic, put out a, a Tails, put out a Knuckles. Now what they're doing is they're putting out a Knuckles and they're putting out an exclusive Knuckles then they're giving exclusives to sideshow collectibles or gaming heads 
to put out their own versions of those as well. So the the craziest of collectors will you know seek out all four or five of these things, and at three, four, five hundred dollars per statue, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. So if you if you came across like a Chinese knockoff something that would not make the cut for you, not at all. No. Nope. Okay. Which which is a, another huge problem in the collecting. There's so much counterfeit, so much uh, of these fakes that are out there that look so close to the original. Whether it's a keychain that instead of a chain it has a strap, or you know the painting's a little off, or the the stamp is in the wrong place. I mean, I used to think that if, if it said Nintendo on it, it was pretty legit, but that's that's not the case, right? You can have that seal of approval for Nintendo and it not be uh, not be a real item. You know what I find funny that you brought up those uh, KOs, Bill? What I see, at least in the Transformers community, is there are certain KOs that are more valuable than the actual legitimate original product. Right. You don't that. Do you see that at all in your line of collecting? Uh, a lot of stuff um, that's Pokemon related is worth a lot. Uh, so, for example, a game like Pokemon Snap has has these characters in, in pretty unique positions, like Pikachu on a surfboard. And I know uh, the knockoff Pikachu on a surfboard that that nobody's ever made, except for these Chinese companies. It goes for a lot of money, more so than a, a regular Pikachu statue. Hmm. In, in terms of a a complete replica of another figure uh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head um, but then again you know what is a legit figure you know is it really just a company who has a license or is it a, a figure that looks pretty close to the original you know there's there's always that argument do you prefer the uh, J- Japanese uh, collectibles over the North American versions always 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 yeah I uh, companies like well you know Takara Tomy uh, through your Transformers right 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 so, so that companies like that or or Furuta or uh, Eugene or uh, a lot of these do you know Gashapon yeah like yes that. I do yep yeah so those things for me are always more appealing than uh, you know North American toys yeah I'm the same way I find they they tend to put a, a bit more care and consideration at least for my transformers anyway, into the making of their products. There's a bit more detail, you know, instead of uh, something being uh, colored a certain way, maybe like the Takara, the Takara version might be painted on little details that are above and beyond the Hasbro releases. Right. Yep. I, so. uh, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, Joe got his tranny stuff in there at the end. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, unfortunately we're running out of time. I wish we had, much more time to talk to Dean, but, uh, you know, the STC pod can't go for that long. We're already past our hour. Well past it. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you guys setting aside the time for this. This was uh, this was really fun, despite the technical issues. <laughs> what technical issues? I'm <laughs> sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I really appreciate you uh, moving stuff around, Dean, to come on. Been really looking forward to having you on and picking your brain over collecting and your experience, especially with the Portland thing. And uh, th- thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. Anytime, almost anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you are like a rock star trying to book you. Was... <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell the folks where they can find you? Sure. So you can find me on YouTube at uh, Round Two Gaming Channel. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all those social networking sites. Uh, but I think most prominently, I'm, I'm pretty full-time on the Cartridge Club website. 
So if you go to www.cartridgeclub.org, you can find a, a little blog that I put together uh, along with some other members of the community. Uh, I have a, a video channel up there as well. So all my new stuff uh, goes there, and you'll find uh, a lot of other people to talk to as well who have uh, hopefully the same interests as you. Yeah, you've done an awesome job revamping the Cartridge Club website. And when are you going to come on to the fix the STC pod website? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think I got you guys up on the, the blog now, so that was the first step. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to... Uh... Oh, about your videos. I want to pick your brain too more about your uh, your videos and how you get uh, your memorabilia on a nice uh, rotating platform. Uh, I really like uh, how you've been putting them together recently. Uh, everyone should check those out for sure. Yeah, I think after our, uh, PRGE, I, I, I kind of want to spend a little more time, FaceTime, doing a little bit more balance there. Um, even just for the sake of, of being recognized a little bit more rather than my, my videos. I, I think I went cold turkey a little bit and people seem to have uh, missed kind of the personal touch. Oh, cool. All right, Joe, you want to... Uh... Well, I say we just leave it at that. I just, again, I wanted to reiterate what Bill said. Thanks again for coming on and uh, thanks again for being a big proponent of us. We really appreciate it and we love everything that you do, so... Just keep on collecting, and I think uh, maybe Dean can just sign us off. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'd be honored. Well, post it and post it. <laughs>